Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet your ass, Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I'll say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host Eddie Trunk. Hey, welcome everybody. Eddie Trunk here with you for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you all had a great week. Hope you enjoyed the interview last week with DJ Viola, who of course is the director of the KISS documentary. If you missed that, go back and check it out. Also, we had Alex Lifeson of Rush not too long ago. A lot of great interviews, bringing you great stuff each and every week on Thursdays here on the podcast. As I mentioned, the interviews you hear on this podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, heard Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Volume Channel 106 or, of course, on the Sirius XM app. Be sure to join me on Sirius XM if you're in the U.S. or Canada and listen each and every day and interact and get involved with these interviews and call in. If you're only listening to the podcast, you're getting a tiny fraction of of the interviews and what I do on a daily basis live on the radio. Thank you for uh, hanging with me this week. We've got two interviews for you. We're going to go into the glory days of MTV back in the 80s when hard rock bands dominated radio, dominated MTV. And we are going to bring you two interviews from that era. Two artists I recently had a chance to see play live at the M3 Rock Festival and spend some time with. Uh, We will go ladies first, as is only proper. And start with Lita Ford. Lita will be our first of two interviews this week. Lita called in to talk about one of her guitars going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a performance she will do there in Cleveland to celebrate that event. Now, of course, we hope Lita herself gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some point, but this maybe is a baby step in that direction. Lita is an old friend. Lita was the first ever guest in the history of that metal show. And it's always great to visit with her and talk with her. And her band is so good. It's always great to go out and see her play live. In the last few weeks alone, I've hosted several shows with her. And it's always fun. So Lita Ford kicks us off. And then 
interview number two on this week's podcast. Lead singer of the band Kicks, Steve Whiteman. Steve's band headlines night one of M3 every year, given that they are from Maryland. Steve is really remarkable. He's been doing this for better than 40 years. He keeps himself in top shape vocally and physically. Kicks still such a great live band, so many great songs. And Steve did something for the first time in his very long career, and that is release his first ever solo record called You're Welcome, which is out now. Steve was on with me a few weeks ago here uh, or on the radio show, and now I bring you that interview as my podcast. We talk about Kicks. We talk about their guitarist, Ronnie Youngkins, who is currently in rehab and his situation. We also talk about why now it was the right time for Steve to make a solo record and also his regimen. How does he stay in such top form after all these decades? Steve, also a great guy, an old friend, and it was great to have him on as well. So Lita Ford first, Steve Whiteman second on this week's podcast. Again, be sure to check out the radio show during the week on Sirius XM 106 volume and listen to the podcast, of course, and uh, you'll get that every Thursday. And of course, anything you miss, if you're a Sirius XM subscriber, you can always get on the app. There's video for many of these interviews as well that you can only access through the Sirius XM app and listen each and every day as I talk rock with you there. Also, be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter and Instagram, where I am most active. And as far as appearances are concerned, next up, this coming Saturday, I will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana to host a show at the Sweetwater Pavilion with Warrant and special guest Lita Ford. I'm sorry, Eric Martin. <laughs> We've got Lita Ford and Kicks interviews coming up. This Saturday, I'm in Fort Wayne with Warrant and Eric Martin of Mr. Big. There you go. That's the right information I'm giving you. Keep an eye on the social media for any info and changes. You know, the times we're in now, stuff can change on the drop of a dime. So always keep up with what's going on. Keep an eye there. But that's the plan for this coming Saturday to be in Fort Wayne. Hope to see you there if you're in that part of the country. All right, we got two interviews, so let's get right to them. Coming up in just a bit, Steve Whiteman of Kicks. We start with Lita Ford. Lita called in to my SiriusXM radio show to talk about the induction of her guitar into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here's Lita to explain. Lita, welcome. How are you today? Hi, Eddie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Anytime. So Anytime I want, anything I want. <laughs> buy. I mean, really, can I have some chocolate? you you know you you always have an open door here and yes chocolate is the least <laughs> we can do for you uh you you had some fantastic shows i gotta tell you you and the band firing on all cylinders the last few weeks i saw you a couple times uh, whether it was m3 or houston or tulsa must feel great to be out there playing again and, and you can feel it from the audience and you can see it in you and the band Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. And it's great to see you at the shows, too. We love seeing you. But uh, yes, I mean, the band is firing on all cylinders, and it's just just freaking badassery. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I couldn't ask for more. Everybody is in such a great frame of mind, and everybody came out of the COVID with this will to rock again and bring live music back to the fans and the audiences and it shows it does show lita in the short time that you've been back playing live shows and you're out there every weekend and you're out there in a lot of different places 
What's the vibe been like for you? I mean, what have you seen out there with the audience? And have there been any early highlights of just being out and playing again? You know, it's just a lot of people showing up at the shows, a lot more than I had thought. And nobody's wearing face masks. And everybody's everybody's so into the music and so into what's happening on stage. It's just really, really great. I'm so happy to see the fans. And I know they're happy to see us. And it just is like this whole vibe is going back and forth on stage with the fans and the band. And everybody's so happy to see each other. And it's like, yeah, man, we're doing this. Yeah, man, we're live. <laughs> we're rocking it. And, uh, and, and you guys are, are what it's all about. And, uh, and that's just it. So, I mean, you it know- doesn't get any more badass than that. No, you know, and you've been making music and out there touring professionally, of course, since the 70s with the Runaways. What was the year year and change layoff like for you? Was it a good recharge? I, I imagine that was kind of like really one of the first times in your life. I mean, I know you were, you know, when you were married, you were disconnected and on the island for all those years. But outside of that, while you were professionally working and as a touring musician, which has been most of your life, it it had to be surreal to have the last year or so and have that taken away, I would think. Yeah, it was. It, it was weird, and I saw it coming. I actually saw it coming, and I had said to George, our, our manager, I, I said to him, God, I hope this isn't the end of the rock and roll world. Like, this isn't the end of rock and roll, because I wasn't sure, and... uh we were on this tour, we were on this, this uh, cruise ship, and uh, five bands canceled on the cruise ship. One of them was Brett Michaels, and Brett never cancels anything. I mean, Brett plods through anything and everything, and, uh, and he canceled. And, and I was just like, oh, my God, what's happening in the world today, you know? And so at the end of the cruise, they came back to us and, and Alice Cooper's team said to us, Alice is canceling and he's going to reschedule the shows. And we were just like, uh, okay, so we're getting off this cruise ship. We're going home and we're going to sit there and just wait, wait it out and see what the hell happens with our lives and see what the hell happens with rock and roll. And is rock and roll coming back? We don't even know. So it it was just, you know, so scary. I needed a year off, honestly. I I was tired and didn't know it. And I I had a few things like I needed to just uh, eat good, learn how to sleep, and take a whole bunch of vitamins. And then I, then I was just like, okay, well, well, now what? Now what do we do? And I said, oh, well, Lita, just wait a little while longer because nobody really knows. No one really knows what's coming in the music industry. Everything's shut down. The states are shut down. Each individual state is shut down, and they have their own laws and their own rules. And, uh, you know, we're just so grateful to be back and um, everybody's recharged. Everybody's well, you can see it. 
you can having just seen you three times in the last few weeks, you can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it. You sound and look great. You're playing great. The band is so good. I, I am so appreciative of bands like you that play 100% live and the vocals are so good. The playing and the it's just it's just great. It's just so great to hear you. The the set list you've been doing lately is just so good and so well paced. And if you can, Lita, you know, because obviously this is your thing and it's it's your name on the ticket and on the marquee. But I got to give you props for the band with with Marty and Patrick and Bobby. They're so good. I mean, I can tell you're really dialed in with this band. Can you talk a little bit about the people in your band right now and just give everybody uh, yeah. who hasn't, who isn't aware of the people you're playing with, what they bring to the table? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just guzzling a, a bottle of water. Yeah, yeah. No, I would love to talk about these guys because they are really just uh, rock stars in their own right. And, um, the other day, Marty was saying, you know, hey, you guys, you know, I, I got to catch an early flight back home. There's a party going on for all bass players, like all the biggest bass players in the music industry. And uh, I've been invited and I want to go to this party. And they've got tacos and uh, all the bass players are going to be there. I'm like, Marty, you are the biggest, baddest bass player out of all of them you are a rock star in your own right and you know a lot of times people say to me you know Lita if you could have anybody in your band if you could play with people who are dead rock stars like Jimi Hendrix or of course you know who the hell wouldn't want to play with Jimi Hendrix but I mean just all these wonderful musicians who have passed along the decades who would you want to have in your band, Lita? And I always say, you know what? I've got those guys. I've got Bobby Rock on drums. I've got Marty O'Brien on bass guitar. And I've got Patrick Kennison on lead vocals and guitar. And these guys can't be replaced. They are just part of our family and part of our team. And they are the biggest, baddest musicians out there that I could ever possibly be so blessed and so lucky to be touring with. Yeah, Martin. they're great and, and great so people too. I know you could probably, you could, I mean, and I talk to artists about this all the time. It's one thing to be a great musician, but when you got to tour and travel and slug it out, out there on the road with, with four or five, six other people, you want to make sure that you can get along with those people and they don't annoy you and they don't drive you crazy because there's enough of that on the road that without it coming from inside your band. So having a, a, uh, a friendly and working and, and uh, loving relationship with the other people in your band is almost as important as them being competent players. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And, and one sparks the other. One fire sparks the other fire, and we all spark each other. And and it goes so deep as our crew that we have, too. And we have a great crew. We have a great guitar technician and a great drum tr technician. And, and George Marshall out there running sound and making it all happen for the fans. It's just off the, off the hook, and I'm so grateful to have these guys in my life. I, I count my blessings every day. Well, I was really excited 
and happy to see this news come out. And George mentioned this to me the other day, and of course we couldn't talk about it just yet until it went public. But look, I mean, it to me, it's criminal that you, the Runaways, not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet, is just ridiculous to me. However, maybe a good sign and a good step in that direction of it happening at some point is the fact that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to showcase one of your guitars, which is awesome. So, and you're going to perform at the in at the showcasing of the guitar at the Hall of Fame in Cleveland. So, give everybody the story on how this came about, what the guitar is that's going to be exhibited, and when it's all going down. Well, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been really good to us lately, and uh, in the last year year and a half since before COVID, you know, they, they just, they're big Lita fans. They're big runaways fans. And, uh, they want to do a, uh, a display on Lita Ford guitars and memorabilia updated photographs and just, uh, put up a really cool display in their rock and roll hall of fame in the heavy metal section of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I, I am so honored to be a part of it and, uh, and and just be a part of this. I mean, God, it's been so many decades, you know, since we've started playing music. And it's so awesome to have somebody acknowledge it and want to do a display on what you do as a female rock guitarist, you know, and just a rock guitarist in general or, and lead singer in general, it's huge. And so uh, we've, we've been doing interviews and photo shoots and we want our fans to come out to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and be a part of this uh, prestigious ceremony on uh, July the 26th at 2 p.m., middle of the day i hate middle of the day but it's middle of the day <laughs> i'm like you too nothing can be late enough for me anything before one or two is traumatic so i, I hear you I on know. that <laughs> but you know it, it's really uh i'm just so grateful yeah so, that's uh, awesome so come out so july 26th two o'clock local time there in cleveland you're going to present this guitar and you're going to play a few songs with Patrick, right? Yeah, the the guys. Um, it's just me and Patrick, and uh, and it's just like wow. Sometimes Patrick and I we play together, and things just just are magical. And uh, you know, and we had uh, a couple of guys from Brett Michaels, a couple of guys from Firehouse, and it's just like wow. You guys play together, and it's so magical. Why don't you do that in your set? And we're, you know, we're just like, no, we save these things for special occasions. And so the Cleveland Rock Hall of Fame on July the 26th at 2, 2 p.m. will be one of those occasions. <laughs> now tell, tell everybody about the guitar and the history of the guitar that you are going to be putting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, well, it's a duplicate of Maurice, and um, anyone who's a Lita fan knows where Maurice came from. Um, anyone who's a BC Rich original, BC Rich fan, 
knows a lot about how they were created and who the builders were and how amazing these guitars are. They are just like living, breathing souls, these guitars that were created back in the 80s. And Maurice was one of the originals. He is one of the most powerful guitars I own on this planet. He is just off the freaking hook, this guitar. As a matter of fact, you know, Eddie, this is kind of a funny story, but back in the day, somebody stole Maurice from a gig. And I don't know how they got their hands on him, but they they took my guitar and they took him home. And um, and I was freaking out. Needless to say, when we got to the the uh, storage unit, everybody said, "Oh yeah, Lita, we unloaded all your gear, but Maurice, the guitar is not here." Uh, I'm like, "What? You telling me somebody stole Maurice, my guitar?" That's insane. Are they insane? They can't handle Maurice. Maurice is like a possessed <laughs> spirit. They probably have this guitar under their bed, and it's haunting them every night, every day. They can't handle this guitar. They could never play it. They could never even plug it in and strum a few chords. It's just not like that. This guitar is like a wild beast. And so... uh they stole this guitar, and I went on the radio, and I said, you need to return this guitar to the BC Rich factory, and uh, no questions asked, because you know you can't play this guitar. You know this guitar is eating you up alive every day, every second of your life. You probably got stuffed <laughs> into your bed somewhere. It's just like, come on. It's one of a kind in the world. There's no other guitar like this. And, uh, you know, like a month later, they brought it back to the factory. No questions asked. They just went in, dropped it off, and boom, there was Maurice. Maurice came back to me. And uh, and so this guitar is being uh, duplicated and presented to the Hard Rock Hall of Fame. And uh, they're going to do a display with Maurice. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that display, like, has some spiritual freaking, uh, what do you call it? Like vibe to it when you walk past it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, So, so Maurice has traveled quite the road and that road is ending up in the rock and roll hall of fame. And that'll happen again, two o'clock on Monday, July 26th in Cleveland. It's open to the public. People can come and see you and Patrick do a set and see the guitar go into the hall of fame and it should it sounds like it's going to be a great afternoon. So let me ask you this, speaking of guitars, when when I saw you play recently and I've seen you play again quite a bit, you at times in the set play a Black Explorer which more than one person said to me, I think that's the guitar, meaning the guitar from the Runaways. Is do you still tour and is that still the Explorer you played in the Runaways, is that the exact one that you play now? Yeah, yeah, that's the same one from the Runaways. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I've always taken care of my shit. I've always taken good care of my guitars. And uh, and I've always taken good care of of the older stuff. Unless somebody steals it and it disappeared. But uh, the old Hamers, 
which I have serial numbers 0048 and 0012, which are the ones I used in the Runaways, is the one that I play live on stage for Cherry Bomb, for Out for Blood, and for Black Leather, which was written by the Sex Pistols for the Runaways. So, I mean, it's pretty badass. It's got a lot of scars, but it still sounds great. Yeah, it does. What's the history of that guitar? I mean, you got it as a kid, I would imagine. Did you have an endorsement back then, or did you save up and buy it? What was the story with it? No, I I didn't have an endorsement. I just wanted something that was abstract and something that was out of the ordinary. A lot of people were playing uh, Les Pauls, and a lot of people were playing Stratocasters and Telecasters. And all of which I own. I have a great Strat, a great Tele, but it just didn't feel right live. And I wanted something that was really uh, original, I guess you could say. Something that I could just put on and wear like an old pair of jeans. It was just something that felt good and fit good. And you were just like, yeah, man, I own this. This is me. This is who I am. And that Hamer at the time was one of those things that I I just had to have it. And in the runaways, I went out and bought that black hammer. But uh, in the white one, the 0012, um, that one, I walked into Thoroughbred Music in Chicago. And uh, was it Joel? Joel Hamer? Oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. He just pulled it off the wall and said, Lita, you have 0048. You need 0012. (laughs) And he pulled it off the wall, and he handed it to me. And so I nicknamed those guitars Salt and Pepper because one's white, one's black. Mm. And they are just badass. I mean, they are as badass as any guitar, like, for instance, Leslie West had or played. You know, they just got that old-school badassery thing going on with the yeah wood and so yeah they know. they really do it's so cool to see it it's so cool to hear it when you take it out on stage and and play it do you i mean lead i would assume and rock fans would assume and hope that you doing this and you them extending this to you to come to the hall of fame to put a guitar in there to do a performance there that it would hopefully lead to you and or the runaways actually being inducted into the hall of fame is that your hope as well do you think that this is hopefully an olive branch and a step into that direction i hope so i mean you know i'm just grateful for whatever it is they want to give me i'm grateful but uh be inducted would be huge and uh that's my ultimate goal i gotta say and it's not about the guitar it's not about the clothes it's not about any of it other than who i am and who i am in the music in the music industry and you know the, the the people that i have influenced in the music industry and i think that deserves a spot in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah, no doubt. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Uh one last thing as far as uh runaways are concerned, you, you know, every time I've talked to you, you've kind of given me a state of the union on where things are at with you 
and the other women from that band and whether there's dialogue or not or meetings that have happened and didn't happen. Has there been any, what can you tell us now about your relationship with the other members of the band? Are you in touch with anybody? Is there been any progress on any fronts, any setbacks? How how are things now? <laughs> that doesn't sound so promising. That laugh does, sounds somewhat sinister. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I am sinister. I mean, <laughs> I have no drama in my life. I, I love my life. I love my, my band and my crew and my fans and everybody I work with. I have no drama in my life. And uh, I want to keep it that way. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, the runaways are just all off in different corners of the earth. And uh, I don't necessarily want to go in those corners. I'm, I'm, I'm real happy right here in my niche. You okay. Know, Cause he, so he, in the, in the past, in the past, you felt, you know, you were, you seemed like you were sort of more in a space where like you would entertain doing that again. If, if, if it all came together, but it sounds like now you're saying you're pretty much moved on from it and not worried about it or thinking about it anymore. Am I right? Well, you know what? I'm easy. I'm easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> That's just me. I'm an easy person. I'm easy going. And if it, if it should happen that way, then so be it. I'm there. No problem. All right. Fair enough. And the last thing, the last thing before I let you go is, uh, you know, we talked about you, you having time off like everybody for the last year or so, year and a half, whatever it's been. During that time, have you and the band worked on new music? Would you like to make a new record? Is there any update on where that might be at? Oh, yeah, man. We got the greatest new record. It's just so freaking off the hook. And so much has happened during the time of the making of this record. And it, it's just been so difficult trying to get it out and get it out the way we want it to come out. Because, I mean, it's a different world out there now. You know, I mean, it's, it's a very visual world. And, uh, and this record is too good just to give away to some random record label. We, we wanted to have special treatment and we want it to be treated like it deserves to be treated. It's very visual. They're really great songs. I think a lot of people will be able to just, uh, you know, just go, Oh my God, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. And I know there's a lot of fans out there and I know how hungry they are for rock and roll because trust me, I search through the internet every day looking for new stuff to listen to. And I find myself listening to stuff just going, uh, no. no. Why am I listening to this? You know, it lasts about two days in my house, and then I got to turn it off. But uh, there's some really diehard rock fans out there that want to hear riffy, melodic, real, true rock and roll. And uh, the hurdles we've had to jump to make this record have been insane. But we're not giving up and we're pushing forward and we have some really great people involved that are mixing the record and uh, producing the record and it's going to come out. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting over these hurdles. 
So we've had deaths and, and drug addiction and it's just like, oh my God, what else is going to happen? And I think all these things are adding up to make this record even more powerful. So uh, it's coming. I think 2022. Okay, so you're thinking next year. Yeah. I mean, this year's almost over. Yeah, that's true. We're already halfway through July. It's crazy. Is this the same record that you told me in recent times that you were doing some work with Gary Howie on? With? Yeah. Yeah, So it this is. is and, this uh, has been around for a while trying to sort through this, like you said. Yeah, and you know, the thing with it, Eddie, it's really weird. It's almost like I had to live this record before I could write this record. And each song is real. Each song is like, man, I lived this. And I think a lot of people will say, yeah, man, I lived this too. I get it. We get it. And it's been just a lot of, uh, a lot of really weird things happened in the making, but um, it's a concept record. And then again, you know, it made it even more difficult rather than just writing a song and throwing it on the record. This whole record goes together. This is a concept record. And um, that concept is pretty hardcore. When you hear it, you're going to go, oh, whoa, okay. I think Do you have a title for it yet? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Nothing you can say yet, though, right? No, I wish I could. I'm dying. I'm just chomping at the bit. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to hearing it. The fans look forward to hearing it. It's so good to see you out there playing again and hearing you in the band very much at the top of your game. It's great to see and hear. Everybody go see Lita. If you're in the Cleveland area, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Monday, July 26th, 2 o'clock. See Maurice go into the Hall of Fame and see Lita and Patrick do a few songs there. And it should be a wonderful afternoon. It's very deserved. And I hope it's just a small step in you yourself being in there, which in my humble opinion, you should have been in already many, many years ago. Let's hope that that is what's on the way. Uh, Lita, thank you so much. It's always good to talk to you, and I know I'll be seeing you soon out there on the road. Yeah, man. Thank you, Eddie. And you guys, please come down and see us in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and give us some support, and we'll see you then, July 26th, 2 p.m. Yeah, man. Let's do this. <laughs> Don't forget to bring Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> no make way, sure Maurice man. make sure Maurice doesn't get lost or stolen on the way, Lita. <laughs> By the way, do you know who Maurice is? No, I was gonna. I was actually thinking of that. What is the guitar named after? Who? So, do you remember the Bewitched television yes. series? Yes. Yes. You remember her father was a warlock, and his mm. name was Maurice. Is that right? Is that what it came from? <laughs> Yeah. yeah I remember I remember Bewitched. I remember the woman that played her. I remember the husband was Darren. I think his name was Darren in the show. Yeah, he was just a dork. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember Maurice. Now I got it when those shows come on, when those uh you know, those retro TV channels come on, I'm gonna have to watch a Bewitched episode and now try to pick that out. <laughs> All right, you guys pull out your old Bewitched movies. 
And uh, Maurice was just a badass. <laughs> In the show and the guitar. I got it now. God, okay. All right, Eddie, thank you so much for the interview. And, um, you know, we love you always. Love you and too. So we'll see you soon. We'll see you guys soon. All right, keep rocking. See you, Alita. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Lita. Always great to visit with her. And congratulations to her guitar, Maurice, going into the hall. Hopefully she herself gets there long overdue. We'll be right back with interview number two on this week's podcast. It's with Steve Whiteman, the front man of Kicks. next. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Welcome back, Eddie Trunk here, and next up this week, we have Steve Whiteman, lead singer of the band Kicks, just released his first ever solo album called You're Welcome. It's out now. Here's Steve to tell us all about that and a whole lot more. So it was good to see you at M3. You guys always have a blast doing that. How was this year for you? It's, you know, after not playing for almost two years and to get up in front of a crowd like that, it's just as exhilarating as can be to get up in front of our our loyal 40 year old fans and and kick their ass is just um it's an amazing feeling and luckily we we got a couple tune-up shows in before we had to do m3 we, we did dallas and houston fort worth um dickinson north dakota you ever heard of that one yes i was supposed to do okay, that believe it or believe it or not steve i was actually supposed to do that with you i was supposed to host that yeah. And I, I couldn't because I was closing on this place in Vegas. My closing came up, and I had to cancel out of it. But they were nice enough to ask me to host that, and I was really bummed I couldn't do it. But it's an outdoor free thing, if I recall. Yes, it's in the street, and it poured down rain about halfway through our set. The kicks cloud continues. 
<laughs> and a t- and I looked at it because I was ready to go there. It's a tough place to get to. It's not really near anything, if I recall. You recall correctly. This this airport was the smallest airport I've ever seen. When and you take a little puddle jumper in there, and, but the people that put it on were incredible. They were they were they took great care of us. And our next show was in Denver, and Denver had weather from hell the next day, so we had a hell of a time getting out of there. But we made the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry that I missed it, and uh, hopefully next year I'll be able to jump on one of those shows there. And yeah, I got to watch it M3, and of course intro. Yeah, it's great. You guys have you guys have never not played an M3, right? You've done that since the beginning, if I recall. Yeah, it started when it first started. It was one night, and we were like third on the bill on 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 Saturday night, and then um, the promoter came to us and said, "We want you guys to headline a night." And I'm like, "What? Well, why?" <laughs> I didn't I didn't think we could pull it off, but uh, the fans really uh, really latched onto it and they showed up in droves and draw about 10 12 15,000 people to it so we've uh, we've earned our own headlining night it's the only venue in the country that will will headline at a festival but that's ours yeah well it's appropriate i mean that's your home turf and it's appropriate and it's a great way to kick off the festival and i think uh the the audience really appreciates it and and it's become a thing and i think it's really cool that that's happened for you there and it was great to be a part of it uh for me to be out there again this year as well so let me ask you about kicks before we talk about your solo record as far as live shows are concerned i mean fans have talked about and noticed that ronnie is once again not playing with you can you give us an update on how he's doing in his status sure um you know ronnie's been up and down over the past couple of years he He'll, he'll clean up for a while, then he'll come out, and he'll do great, he'll play great, and then he'll slide off the wagon and, and he won't show up to shows. So this time our hands were just tied because we've been, we've been tolerating and Brian's just been taking over all guitar duties. But this time he was um, he's pretty much in a, in a, a rehab for a year that, that he can't get out of. So he, he couldn't join us on stage if he wanted to or if he was capable of it. And at this point, you know, all we can do is wish him the best and let the fans know that the door will be open if and when Ronnie can get it together and get healthy mentally and physically. And our our guy that's filling in for him, Bob Perry, totally understands that, and we're all rooting for Ronnie. But right now, in order for us to go out and put on the best show as possible, we had to bring in Bob Perry. Mm. And And Steve, you know, I'm wondering, without getting too personal on this, because I know it is a personal thing for Ronnie, and we all wish him nothing but the best, but, you know, COVID had a real bad effect and impact on a lot of people who struggle with addiction. Uh, we've seen examples of that. Was Do you think Ronnie falling off was triggered by that at all? Has he expressed that at all? He hasn't expressed that. He's Like I say, he's been battling this up and down for about the, the last eight years. When we did the Cool Kids album in 1982, 83, Ronnie had a drug problem then, and we had to replace him. So he got he got clean and sober and was sober for over 20 years, and we don't know what triggered his relapse, but he's been up and down for about the last eight years. Yeah, I mean, a year in rehab is a pretty – that's a pretty strong commitment, so hopefully that'll do the trick. Well, I think he ran into a problem with with the law, and and he pretty much has to do that in order to um, just to try to fulfill his recovery. So he's all in. I mean, I've talked to him a couple of times. Brian's talked to him a couple of times, and he wants to do whatever he has to do to get better and get back to where he belongs. 
Steve, you've been in this business as a singer and frontman for well over 40 years now. Did you ever struggle with that kind of stuff in your in your life? I mean, did you have that early on? Did you dabble in that or were you always on the on the the clean and and straight? I'm not I wouldn't ever say I was clean and straight. I definitely dabble with alcohol. That's probably my my weakness. When I get done a show, I need a couple shots of Jack Daniels and a couple beers to just to bring me back down to earth. But never had a drug problem. Never got into that. Um, it never interested me, and it's just unhealthy. I've I've been pretty much a health nut ever since my 20s about working out and being in good shape and being able to hit that stage with the confidence that I know I can I can perform at a high level. So I've always made that my priority. Yeah, I mean, sure, having a few drinks, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I've been lucky in that regard too. I mean, I've been in this business 38 years professionally and thank thank god i never did a drug or had an issue with that at all but yeah i'll pick my spots and have some drinks but and i'm talking about you know we've we've seen it we've all seen it for so many decades with so many bands and so many people the casualties of rock and roll and the excesses that come with it uh it's lucky you know you're lucky and blessed if you're able to come out the other side of it still okay and not having gone down those roads Right. Um, I'm, Brian struggled with it at one point, too. When he left Kicks in, like, 1991, he went out to L.A., and he got into drugs and, and had a had a really bad stretch. And, and he's been clean now for over 20 years. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunately, when you get into these bands and your, your favorite people are like Keith Richards and, you, and these people influence you and you want to be like them, so you start doing drugs to be like them and live the life. And I never wanted to live that life. Yeah, well, Keith is an anomaly. <laughs> Nobody can yeah, figure exactly. out. <laughs> Keith will be, we're, we'll all be gone and Keith will still be here. <laughs> but young guys get in bands and, and you know, they want to they tear up hotel rooms and they, they want to do all the, all the legendary things that, that, that the rock band did when they were kids. So uh, I, I think some people latch on to, to the drugs the same way they do just recreation and, and, and just being nuts. It's just part of being in a band. It's the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talk about your health regimen and how long ago you started it. And I remember probably about 10 years ago talking to you, or maybe it was when the, the last Kiss, Kicks record came out. And we talked about it a little bit. At that time, you were doing, were, was it P90X that you were doing? You were telling yeah. me about your regimen. You were real. I mean, anybody that's seen you knows that you're you're obviously in top shape. Given your age, it's remarkable the shape you're in as well. Um not to say you're old, Steve, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm <laughs> <You know>? old, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> but do you still do that? Talk, talk about how you stay in, in shape like that. It's incredible. Absolutely. Like, a, it takes a lot of discipline, and especially through this pandemic. I mean, for me to, to be able to get up, and I, I walk four to five miles every day just to start my day, and then I work out. And I've been doing P90X for, I don't know, about 12, 15 years now, and it works. And I've, I've I've been doing it so long, I don't even need the, the disc anymore. I just I know all the exercises in my head. And um, I do it so I can, I can put on good shows. That, that's my whole thought behind it. If, if and when I stop doing this, I don't think I'm going to be working out like an animal every day. But for now, <laughs> as, long as, I, as long as I'm doing this, I'm dedicated. It's, is it, um, I, I've heard of it and I've seen the commercials. It's basically a home exercise program where you go through what you see on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the old one. There's been several new ones released after this one, but, uh, this one, I just, I just liked it so much and it works. It's, uh, it's, it's rigorous and it's, 
I've always worked out, but I wasn't doing it right. So the P90X shows you how to start with your abs one day, do your arms one day, do uh, cardio one day, do legs and back, do pull-ups. And you do different stuff every day, so you're targeting the, all the body in, in a week's time. Then you just do it again the next week. Now, for you, of course, being a front man and being so active on stage, you've got to physically be in shape, but obviously you got to vocally be in shape too, and that's a whole different muscle that you got to worry about and work. Talk a little bit about how you've kept your voice in such shape because uh, you know a lot of singers as they age aren't able to do that. What's been your secret? Discipline, um, training, and, and teaching for 25 years. You know, I've always I've always known how to protect my voice and. And the ridiculous warm-ups that I do that people laugh at because I, it takes me an hour to get stretched out and, and work my voice up to the point where I'm confident when I hit that stage it's going to work the way I want it to work. Um, I forgot your question. <laughs> well, yeah, just what your regimen is uh, vocally like that because I've seen you do those warm-ups. <laughs> I've seen you. Yeah. It's yes, you, you know you do. You're you're, da- you're dancing around. You're singing and screaming into a towel. You're doing all that stuff. But people find what works for them. You know, I'm always amazed at that too, Steve. Because in all my years of interviewing people, I'll talk to singers and they'll tell me like Dio was like this, where he would just walk out on stage and do no warm up and no warm down. And then there's people like you that have a whole pre and post regimen. It's it, I guess everybody finds what works for them, right? Yeah, you know, and part of that is just nerves. I am I, I never hit the stage without being a bundle of nerves. I'm always thinking this has got to be a great show. It's got to be a great show. So preoccupying myself, doing those, doing all the pacing and the push-ups and the stretching and, and the, the screaming into the towel, that occupies my mind right up to the point where I hit the stage and I just, you know, then I'm, I'm out there. So that's, that's kind of, it, it really doesn't take me an hour to get prepared, but I give myself an hour to get prepared. And um, I had another train of thought. I keep losing my train. I've, I've been doing these interviews all day today, and my phone's been crappy. So I, I apologize for the, for the crappy. No, you're good now. Day. You're good now. Do you, Steve, do you do anything? Uh, and I found this interesting. Getty Lee told me this once because I spoke to him on the last tour, when they were doing their last tour. And, mm-hmm. you know, Getty sings all that high stuff in Rush. And in the last I don't know, 15, 20 years prior, he struggled with some of that, understandably. And on the last tour, I thought he was singing better than he ever did. And I remember going backstage and talking to him in the dressing room. And I said, I said, Ged, you're singing better than I remember in 15, 20 years. And I remember what he said to me, and it really was surprising. He said, yeah, I made a change. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, my diet. He told me, I think at the time he had cut out all dairy or something, and it had a positive impact on his voice. I had never heard of anything like that, but being a guy that gives vocal lessons and again, you know, you take care of yourself. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. You are what you eat. I mean, there's a lot of food that I avoid uh, before shows and even dates before shows because it, it does affect your vocal cords. So yeah, I'm aware of all that stuff. And you know, people like, like you were talking about Dia who just hop up on stage and sing great. They always piss me off. Because it's like I got to go through this tremendous warm up. And Robin Zander is another one of those guys that just—I don't know if he does anything, any kind of a warm up, but he just pops up and he sings. He sings great. They always—I'm I'm amazed at that that people can do that. Yeah, I'm amazed at the people we all know. I mean, there's singers that you know, the Glenn Hughes's and the Steven Tyler's and the Sammy Hagar's <laughs> and Robin Zander's and. 
people like yourself who as they age can still do it and then others just can't and i you know i guess it's just comes down to at that point how you took care of yourself or just your 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 dna how you know if you're able to just like an athlete i would think you some athletes can hang in there longer than others before it unravels but i i do think that probably comes down to a lot of uh, mental stuff i would think as well and as a vocal instructor you could attest to that i would think absolutely and like i say it takes a lot of dedication you have to really care about your instrument because that is your instrument and you have to take care of it so if you realize you're doing some damage and in certain ways you got to cut that stuff out so that I, you learn through living and and over the years i've learned to to hang on to what I have so far. I mean, I can't say that I'm singing as good as I did in my 20s and 30s, but I can I can still pull it off. And we actually just started to tune down another half a step because there were some songs that I was struggling on. And I'm like, I don't want to drop these songs. I just want to drop the key. So, And everybody agreed. So that made a huge difference. That helps. Are you still doing vocal lessons for people? Are you still an instructor? You know, when COVID hit, the school that I was teaching at shut down. It was down for several months. And just contemplating going back to do that after getting that break, um, I thought, you know, after 25 years of doing this, I think I'm going to put it down because we were doing fly dates, like three and four dates on the road and coming home and teaching two days. And I'm like, I don't really need to do this anymore. So I, I've stopped. Mm-hmm. You're one of your most famous students who is very vocal about how helpful you were to her and how much she loves you is Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. How old was she when you were instructing her how to sing? She was probably 16, 17, something like that. And she was already great. She just didn't have the power that she needed to, to, to project her voice. And, um, I, I I showed her how to get that that focus into her voice and gave her other singers to emulate like Ann Wilson. I mean that's that to me that was a perfect uh, comparison for her to to study how she sings and that, that's what I did as a kid. I studied other other singers and I would emulate them. So um, that's she she's my prize student obviously and and she would have been great regardless of had I taught her or not. When you when you started working with her as a teenager, did you recognize in that, that in her? Did you have did you see in her what she's become? Oh yeah, yeah, I I, I could see it blossom before my eyes. And she worked with me for maybe a little over a year, and it was it was sporadic. It wasn't an every week thing. It was whenever they could get her out there to me. And uh, yeah, I saw it right away. And and as she improved, and and I, all this power started coming to her voice, and they were already being courted by Atlantic records at that point. So I try to steer them away from that. <laughs> you got some history listen. there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we didn't do so well at Atlantic. Yeah. Steve, you said the singers you emulated, who were they? Who were the people that you listened to that shaped your vocal approach that you, you loved? I loved Alice Cooper. I loved Mark Farner. I loved uh, Robin Zander. Um, I love the Beatles. I just, I always, I like, I go for, for melody and harmony. That, that's always, that's always my go-to. So those early bands, um, Deep Purple, and then it got into ACDC and Aerosmith and all the bands that, that Kicks tries to emulate. But in the beginning, it was, it was all those 60s and 70s bands that, that I sang along with. Three Dog Night, Queen, all those bands taught me how to sing. 
You know, mentioning Alice is interesting because Alice is obviously an icon and a great guy and still great to this day. But he's not a guy that comes up a lot when you talk about great singers. But if you really listen to the records and and you listen to him now, he's still he's so consistent and his voice really is great. It's not you know, it's not a Freddie Mercury kind of voice, which is why I don't think he gets mentioned in that breath. But his voice is very cool, very unique, and it still sounds exactly the same. He's just not a guy. When, when people talk about Alice, it's the theatrics, it's the songs. But you don't hear a lot of people, at least I don't, talk about his vocal ability. So I think it's really interesting that you mention that because he's really somebody I think that's overlooked in that area. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Just singing Alice Cooper songs taught me how to get that, that growl into my voice. And then I could sing Mark Farner where it was clean. I could sing Steven Tyler where it's kind of a in between, half growly, half clean. So I would emulate all these great singers as best I could. So when we started making records, when Donnie would Donnie Purnell would say, give a little Steven Tyler, give a little Bon Scott, I, I would be able to find those references and do it. So I think that's what most people do. You you latch on to your to your favorite singers and you you do your best to emulate them. And then you then you claim it as your own. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about you talk, you know, you joke about you you're being old. Well, you've decided to make a solo record, your first solo record after nearly 40 years in this business. The record came out last week. It's called Your Welcome. I imagine I'm take I'm going to take a stab at this and say that this <laughs> may be a byproduct of the pandemic where you sitting around and said, "You know what? After 40 years, damn it, it's time to do a solo record." No, I definitely had no intention of doing a solo record. And you know, if if you think about it, I, I did solo records under the, the band name Funny Money. So I, right. you know, this isn't really this is my first solo record under my name, but I did do four other records when and Funny Money that that I wrote most of the material up until the, the Stick It album. But this kind of this 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 whole thing just kind of happened through Jimmy Chalfont, our drummer, and Brad Divins, who was actually in Kicks during the Cool Kids album. Brad's been uh, building a studio in his house so he, him and jimmy had been getting together and they were recording cover songs just to give brad some some experience in, in his studio and jimmy just said to him one day you know steve's sitting on a pile of songs and i don't know if kicks is going to be doing anything with them anytime soon so why don't we get him in here and record a couple of originals and record something from the ground up and brad said that sounds great so i took my 12 songs that are on the record and i was sat down with brad and played all of them and he just looked at me and said let's record them all i said well then i'm making a solo record aren't i and he said i think so so that was the whole uh, that's the way it, it got kicked off and i was lucky enough to have jimmy chalfont do do most of the drumming i got to play a couple of tracks of drums on there i had bob perry come in and do most of the of the the rhythms and i got to play a bunch of rhythms on it as well i made it a point on a couple of songs that i got to play everything so um, just to let people know that I'm more than just a singer. <laughs> yeah, well, that was interesting to me. I did not realize that. I didn't know that you played drums and you 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 were you played all instruments like that. I mean, and I've learned that over time with certain musicians, which is kind of surprising. Where they'll be like, oh, "I'm really a guitar player," but it just you know the voice, and they wanted a front man, and that's why I did it. But you yep. you you can pretty much play everything, huh? Pretty much. I mean, I, I started out as a drummer. When I joined what is now Kicks, I started as a drummer slash uh, frontman. I was another drummer. Him and I would 
would kind of switch back and forth, which was great for giving me experience to learn how to front a band because I was an absolute turd in the beginning. So that worked out well. And then when they threw me out front permanently, you know, we got Jimmy in. And Jimmy's such a great drummer. He's just he's just a, a, a pile of thunder, it sounds to me. And And the other thing about this record is Jimmy did 10 drum tracks from his house and sent the files into Brad. I did all the vocals from my house. And Bob and Brad probably spent the most time together in the studio because Bob came in with um, an idea of, of every song he would play on. He knew exactly what guitar would, would work best, what amp would work best. He's just one of those kind of real meticulous guys. And I would have just done a plug in and said to hell with it. But I thank God he didn't do that because he, he really took this record to another level. All the guys did. Dean Kramer came in and, and, and played some solo stuff and having Jimmy and Brad playing uh, bass tracks, and he did an incredible job. Yeah, Jimmy is a tremendous drummer and also has a tremendous fashion sense. His outfit at M3 was <laughs> just I, fantastic. I like his suits. Yes, he's rocking. You know, most drummers are the least dressed in the band, usually tank top and shorts or something because they got to be so active. But Jimmy's right. Jimmy rocks the jacket and the color coordinated. He's really stepped that up in recent years. He has, and, and I, I don't know where it came from, but we all love it. Because, like you said, he was just a, a jeans and T-shirt guy, a Zildjian shirt or whatever, and get up there and, and play your ass off it. One day he come in with this suit, and we all go, that's pretty damn cool, Jimmy. So now he's got a, a closet full of them. Steve, so why why this versus a Kicks record? Did you talk to the guys about possibly doing another Kicks record, and and was it there not a lot of interest there from them? Why why take these songs and do it like this versus a band thing? Um, I did share this music with the guys, and I really I got crickets back. It's like I don't know if they just weren't ready to do a Kicks album, or they just didn't feel this material qualified as Kicks material. Because when I write. I'm not writing for any one project or vehicle. I just write songs. And my hope was to just take these songs in a pile, throw them into the hat whenever Kicks was ready, and whatever they pick out, great. And whatever they don't pick out, then maybe I'll release it by myself down the road. So, But there's just no talk of a, of a Kicks album right now. I think we, we, we got so backed up by the pandemic, and we didn't get a chance to really get out and promote um, the, the Midnight Dynamite relit. So that's still a campaign that, that, that Mark is trying to, to push right now. And I haven't heard any new music from the other guys. So at this point, I don't know if it's a business end thing, a financial thing, or um, it doesn't get, it really doesn't get talked about that much. Mm. That being said, anybody that having heard the record and it's a really good record, it's a fun record. There's some great songs on it. It's not, there's no three-minute songs. I mean, hooky, quick. I mean, there's nothing on this record that a Kicks fan would not connect with and relate to. It's your voice. It's very Kicks sounding, even though it's not under the Kicks name. At least that's how I felt about it. Well, that's that's a compliment, and I, you know, I think because of my influences are, are different. I, I, Kicks always ran down that that line of Aerosmith, Zeppelin, ACDC, Stones, and and like I was telling you earlier, my influences are a lot different than that. And and I write like that. I use my influences when I write. I don't just try to write in one direction. So um, if if that's the reason that they didn't feel that these songs were, were worthy of a Kicks album, I'm okay with that. You know, you you've told me many times that you're a listener of the of the podcast interviews that I post from this radio show, 
And every as week. a result, you know, what's that? Every week. I don't miss one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I was going to tell you, so from that, you obviously know that I love CDs and I love physical packaging. So I thought it was yep. funny when I saw you at M3 last week and you handed me the CD, you, you gave a, 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 a precursor and you're like, I'm just warning you, I did it on a small budget. I didn't have a lot of packaging and stuff. So talk about the uh, packaging because, again, I just love having it physically no matter what, and I appreciate people still making CDs, but you got some nice photos here. But what I'm interested in asking you about is the cover which is uh, just, it looks like it, it, you hand wrote it or something on a napkin. Talk about the cover. <laughs> um, I was on the phone with, with Madeline, Madeline Scarpola, who helped me put this whole thing together. And we were, go we were going back and forth. She said, well, what kind of album cover are you thinking? What kind of artwork? I got this guy. You can talk to him. And I was like, I don't think any of the titles really deserve any kind of, of, of a cover. So I said, I've only got one idea. And I, and I said, let me, let me send you a picture. So I hung up and I drew the album cover just, just the way it is and sent it to her. And she said, I love it. So there was the album cover. <laughs> I got to tell you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a fantastic singer and front man. Um, as far as drawing stick figures, though, maybe not your strongest suit. <laughs> no, no. That would be my one and only album cover credit in my life. <laughs> but I got to tell you this, too. If I was an, a musician and I drew an album cover, Steve, it would probably look exactly like that stick figure because I'm as bad, if not worse, in terms of writing and drawing. So, I, I you know, it's it, but it's charming. It kind of works. I like it. I really do. It does work. And you it started back in the days when we used to do in stores and people would come up and say, can you write something special to me or do something special? And after a while, you just go brain dead. So I, I, I started drawing that little stick man. I thought, I'll give you a self portrait. And then it just sort of evolved from there. People would get my autograph and go, I want the stick man too. So that's that I've been doing that stick man since 81. Yeah, once you paint yourself into a corner like that, signing autographs, then it becomes a thing. You know, I'm very close with Ace Freely for many decades, and Ace, a year, years ago, started for people he do a little something extra for, he would draw an Ace card after his signature. And now, mm. because people have seen that when he's done meet and greets, I want the card, I want the card too. You know, yep, so yep. you got to be careful because you set a precedent. Yeah. And, and the, the title came from, I was, again, not, not sure what to call it. And I was sitting over with all the guys when we finished up recording. And I said, anybody have any ideas for what we could call this thing? And about two or three hours later, Bob Perry texted me and he said, you're welcome. And I thought, that's perfect. I mean, got the stick man. It, it, it's all the things that, that, that people identify with me. So I thought, you know, it's simple. It says it all. And I like it. Yeah, and if you've seen Kicks Live, you know the reference to "You're welcome" when you make the audience uh, say that. So, that uh, yeah, that's it's yeah, it ties it all together. Do you hope to do shows, Steve? Do you do? You, would you like to put a band together and try to play live, or do you just feel that doing that with Kicks is good enough for now? We've talked about it. I, I think if we if we're able to do it at all, it would probably be around the January February time because Brian is getting back in with Rhino Bucket, and they always do a European tour every January and February. So that would be a window for us. If Brad's not out on the road with Enrique Iglesias, um, we could probably do something there if they all wanted to. So 
there's a possibility. All right, all right. And as far as kicks going forward, uh, we hope Ronnie gets back and gets well, but you're going to continue to – man, I'll tell you, I remember – I remember – I don't know how many years it is now, but your booking agent, Sullivan, calling me up and saying, I did it, I did it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got him back together. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, kicks, kicks, they're coming back. I said, what? Because, uh, you know, you had been on with me for Funny Money and we had talked yep. over the years. And and uh, that seems like yesterday, but how long ago was that that the band started up again? Sullivan got on board with us around 2007, 2008, because we had, we had just been doing like regional shows, like in, in our D.C., Baltimore backyard area, just to do maybe five, six shows a year. That's the way it sort of uh, started off. And just out of the blue, I got this call from Sullivan Big and had me on the phone for hours trying to convince me that, that he could be our agent. He could get us out there and, and rekindle what we, what we lost. And I thought he was out of his mind. I, I told him, I said, there's no way in hell. Nobody gives a shit about us anymore. And he, he proved me wrong. The, the first gig he got us was Rocklahoma. And we went out in front of like 20,000 people. And it just, it opened my eyes. And all of us were like, we were just shocked that that many people remembered us and enjoyed our show. And, and he's been our man ever since. So that's 13, 14 years now that this is, yeah. that Kicks has really been back going again. And I do remember at that time him also telling me, we're only going to do a few shows a year. It's not going to be a big thing. Well, you're out almost every weekend. So clearly it's doing well. And future for Kicks, just the same thing. Just keep working the road and having fun and playing gigs when they come up. That's the plan. As, as long as people want us and, and we're still able to put on good shows because that's, that's incredibly important to us. If you know, if we get to the point where we can't do it like we used to, then we stop. Yeah, well, that's important too, as to me as a fan. I feel that way very strongly. Like I'd rather have my last memory. Like I mentioned, Rush before, my last memory of them was so good. You, you want you want to see a band ending or knowing when it, they've stayed too late at the party, quite frankly. And mm -hmm. as, as a fan, as much as it's difficult to see a band end, I'd rather see that and have my last memory be great than have it be like, oh, man, they were a shell of themselves. It wasn't great. It wasn't real. It wasn't good. Uh, I, I have so much respect for bands knowing when to say when. But given the performance I saw last week, I still think you got some some tread left on the tire there, bud. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, and and I, I I agree with you 100%. I it makes me sad when I see artists that, that were once great up there just going through the motions and just collecting a check. And there are some out there that are that are doing that, but I guess they feel they have to because that's all they know. That's that's their only money maker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, people can get the record for people who want it physically, like the CD with the killer album cover <laughs> for for people who want to get the cd is, is it in stores are they going to your website how do how do people get the music that want it physically um you can go to it, the company that does all the kicks merch and they do merch for a bunch of bands um it's called right rock r-i-g-h-t-r-o-c-k right rock sportswear.com and just go just go to kicks or steve whiteman and and they'll have it there and it, oh. it did so well the first week that it was out. They sold out. I, I sent them 500 copies, and, and they sold out in like three days. So if you order it now, it's a, on a little bit of a back order because I just reordered some more CDs. So it's going to be available again real soon. So that's a good problem to have. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm personally not on the vinyl kick, but there are a lot of people that are. Are you going to do it on vinyl as well? Yeah, I've got a friend who runs a vinyl shop who wants to do it, and I, I give him the green light. I don't have to do a damn thing. So uh, uh, he's he's all in on that. I, I don't really understand it. I'm not I'm not the vinyl guy either. I never was. I was a cassette guy. Never never liked turning that that turntable and flipping that record. I like things that just run and uh right and you know what's funny is people that swear by the vinyl sound the, the well everything's recorded digitally these days so that record isn't going to make it sound warmer because it's on vinyl it's recorded digitally so it's still digital but i guess they find fun in it yeah look i think having some physical connection with music is good again i'm not on the vinyl kick i i, I agree with you on a lot of those things but i for people who are and people who just take the time to buy any music physically, I think it's great. And, and I'm assuming uh, for people who just want to stream it, are you on all the streaming services with it as well? Yeah, iTunes, Amazon, all that. And for people who want to get the uh, the vinyl, it's actually it's called The Head in Hagerstown, Maryland. Um, those things are on back order, too. I, apparently, a lot of people are getting vinyl made these days. So there's a, there's a yeah. waiting list. But he's going to have them ready, and I'm sure we'll be able to get the word out when, when they're ready to come out. Well, listen, man, it's always great. It was great to see you last week and uh, absolutely great to talk to you. And I wish you nothing but the best with the solo record and the coming shows with kicks. And, you know, we'll be seeing each other out there on the road. We always do at various events and concerts. And uh, congrats on the record, man. It's really a great record. I think anybody listening that's a, a kicks fan, you will enjoy this album. You should absolutely go out and pick it up. Thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eddie. You're the best. Well, great to visit with Steve Whiteman. Appreciate him being on. And I know he's a regular listener of the podcast. So thank you, Steve. And appreciate uh, you and your new album, You're Welcome, which is out there right now. Thanks earlier to Lita Ford for joining me as well. Again, Eddie Trunk or at Eddie Trunk on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow. Listen every day on Sirius XM Volume. If you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, come see me this Saturday with Warrant and Eric Martin. And, um, yeah, keep an eye on the homepage of my website. All my appearances, as they are confirmed, are slotted in there. Hope everybody has a fantastic week. I'll catch you on the radio. If not, back here next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Produced, as always, by Joel Pollock. Have a great one, folks. Catch you then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.